you know, we've talked a lot about this in between media season. There's going to be curveballs coming your way. Hate's a strong word. I dislike Kirk Cousins more than probably any other quarterback. I get a little bit of that rookie-itis, you know? I would have said, I would love some of what you're Even though I'm straight, I'm still stuck between an interpretation, what it all means. Can I make a difference for something different? My mind in prison, then I saw the vision. Played the field, it's no competition. Found success through the repetition. If it's impossible, stick to the mission. I'm just cruising through on my way to get it. I found myself somewhere in between. Yeah, I found myself somewhere in between. Here we go. This is the In Between Fantasy Football Podcast. Back with you. I'm Seth Woolcock, your normal co-host, joined by my other co-host, Scott Reinier, in the building once again. Scott, it's the dog days of summer, man. And to celebrate, I thought we'd go to the front yard. We're going to go to the front yard and bring in our guy, Josh Fuster, from Front Yard Fantasy. He's filling in for Nate Polvo, who's down in Mexico this week. Josh, Scott, how's your summer been, guys? You go first, Josh. Dude, I have had a fantastic <clears throat> summer so far. Nothing to complain about. Um, I, I live here in Maryland, and a few weeks ago, I went to uh, the beach. Um, if you're local to Maryland, I'm sure you've heard of Ocean City. Uh, so I just got back from there a couple weeks ago. That was It was just nice to get away. And also, every day that passes, that much closer to football. Let's go. Sure. Yes, sir. <laughs> I can't wait, in case you can't tell. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm great. I Josh, I... No one saw you before that we went on, went live, but you kind of pulled a little bit of a Clark Kent with your oh, yeah, tank, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tank, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was wearing a tank top. I That's just not what you were wearing before we went live. Yes, sir. No, I'm good, man. It, this is always the time of the summer for a lot of reasons. Kids in school, all that kind of thing, where it's like feels like it just started, but it also feels like it's about to, you know, it's going so fast that it's almost over. It's weird. July is weird, but you know. We're lucky in that um, when the summer comes to an end, it's almost my favorite time ever mm-hmm. because of football. So it's it's a it makes it makes the whole year the whole year round fun. So yeah, doing good. We've got our we've got our perfect weather going on up in here up in Seattle right now, mid to upper seventies. You know, um, can't complain. Doing awesome. good. I'm jealous. That sounds awesome. really nice. Uh, the, the season boys it's coming fast um i know we're busy here at ibt media we're doing our projections getting our draft guide up and running as well so we, we've been busy over here i know you guys at front yard fancy josh you guys have been in every, every day of the office you know grinding putting out more content um josh you want to tell our audience this is your first time on the in between fantasy football podcast you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and uh what you do over at front yard Yes, I am the co-host of the Fantasy Football Game Show, uh, one of the co-hosts with my good buddy, JL and Simon, and we play games pretty much every day, you know? Every day at 3 o'clock, we are streaming on YouTube, Twitch, Twitter. Um, You can find us on YouTube, Front Yard Fantasy, or on Twitter, at Front Yard FYF. We like to have fun. That's really the goal, while also giving the audience really, really good fantasy information. Um, it's just a good time. Come check it out. No, absolutely, man. Uh, it's definitely something I can recommend to all our listeners. If you're in the middle of your work day and you want to tune in, um, get your spirits up a little bit. Front Yard's the place to do it. Um, I've had the privilege to be on there. I think Scott's popped in there maybe once or so as well. Um, a couple other of our IBT guys as well. So we appreciate what you guys do in the fantasy community. Um, it's been a blast to watch you so far in, in your guys' careers, and, and we're excited to continue to do that moving forward here. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. And we have to get you guys on again sometime soon because uh, yes. I, I like you guys a lot. You're great. Great guests to have on there. And uh, I want to beat you as well. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Guys, we have a loaded show today. Um, we're going to do a little bit of in the scope and talk about some recent redraft risers. We've had a lot of movement in our rankings the last few weeks after some recent news. We're also going to play a little bit, uh, going to Josh's specialty. We're going to whip out one of our game segments. Um, we're going to play Would You Rather, throw back to high school days. 
Um, and then we're going to round out the show with some weekly advice, talking about starting a, a business and going into business with your friends and, and kind of hear a little bit more about the front yard backstory. Um, so interested in hearing more about that, guys. Um, we're going to talk more th- about this, guys, um, some recent redraft risers in our next segment in the scope. I have the stars in my sights. Requesting permission to engage. In the scope. All right, so back here in the scope, um, what we're going to talk about today, we're going to start it off with David Montgomery. He's been a guy in my re- redraft ranks who's just consistently going up the board this offseason. Uh, we heard news recently, um, just this last week, that Tariq Cohen he isn't 100% healthy after the ACL tear early last season. Um, right now, guys, David Montgomery's ADP in redrafts is RB21, according to Sleeper's um, July 13th ADP list. So, where are you guys on David Montgomery right now? Because I have a feeling like, like he's right behind guys like Josh Jacobs, Miles Sanders, Travis Etienne even, um, some of that rookie fever Scott was alluding to earlier. Where are you guys at on David Montgomery? Because he was RB4 last season. There was ahead, just Josh. that news that Nagy uh, wants 20 carries per game for Montgomery. Yes, sir. Uh, I saw that. That's that's pretty crazy. Um, the, the name that stands out the most to me that you just said is definitely Etienne. Um I like Travis Etienne. I think he has all the upside in the world, but I think things have gone way too far with Etienne. I mean, he hasn't even played a snap in the NFL, and James Robinson's still on the team. Uh, I, I like Etienne. I like the Etienne. Like I said, all the upside in the world, but David Montgomery is upside too. Uh, things that, you know, Chicago, maybe it makes me a little nervous, but Etienne sounds crazy. On the other hand, though, with Miles Sanders and Josh Jacobs, I, I can see why they are going ahead. Uh, I would take Montgomery above Miles Sanders at this point. Um, but Josh Jacobs, I think people are sleeping on Josh Jacobs a little bit too. Um, I, I know there's a lot of hate right now for Josh Jacobs with Kenyon Drake signing and, and everything, but I'm a Josh Jacobs guy. So I still would take Josh Jacobs ahead of Dave Montgomery personally. Yeah, for me, um, you said RB22. I have him, I have him, I have him higher than that. Uh, where I start to make decisions with Montgomery, I would take him ahead of Jacobs personally. Um, and that, I mean, that's mainly just due to, I don't know what that dis- distribution is going to be in Las Vegas. And especially if Tariq Cohen isn't healthy at the start of the year, uh, I think I think Monty is going to be more of a workhorse than Josh Jacobs will. I could be wrong, but I have him ranked higher. Um you know, I, I have him and Miles Sanders pretty close, uh, David Montgomery, Montgomery, I mean. You know, I have him in that range with, like, Chris Carson. Um, you know, Dobbins is kind of in that range in redraft for me. Um, yeah. But, you know, I have, him, I have him late teens. So I don't have him too much higher than RB22. Um, there you go. I, I, I love Dobbins, by the way. I just – Me too. I, I just – I want to see him. Too. I want to see him get the 20 carries a game that Nagy's talking about. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I have Monty a little higher than that. I was able to get Monty as my RB two in Scott Fishbowl. And I was pretty excited about that. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, you know, the, the knock on Montgomery, it's such a weird thing in fantasy football. Like he had this great run. He ended up, you know, RB four, but it's only cause he played crappy teams at the end of the year. And it's just like, yeah. yep. okay, what, what are good running backs supposed to do? Are they, <laughs> do they not get credit for having monster games against bad teams like the way i try and look at it is take all the running backs in the league give them that schedule at the end do you do you are you sure every single one of them would have blown monty's numbers out of the water no it's the same with when teams beat a a subpar competition you say yeah they won but they it was this team it's like what else are they supposed to do like you know what i mean all you can do as a running back against good matchups is dominate and that's what he did so i don't understand i mean i get it i get that you know the the first part of the season wasn't quite as lucrative for him. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I just think, I think he's better than people think. I don't, you know, I don't think he's going to threaten for any kind of top five or anything like that. But in that range in redraft, when you're starting to hit, get towards those non workhorses and those kind of crap shoots, I like him. And I, I think the thing is here, Scott, too, is I think he's being drafted at his floor right now. His rookie season, he was RB22 in PPR, which and that was a bad rookie season, too. He, he busted for a lot of people who drafted him in about the fourth or fifth round uh, back in 2019 there. 
But last season, like when you actually look at some of these numbers, like he was the fifth leading running back in receptions. That's behind Alvin Kamara, um, JD McKissick, Nine Hines, um, Mike Davis. Like, like those are the only four guys who are better than him in receptions right now. So, I mean, obviously, like Austin Eckler was hurt. You had a couple other guys who were kind of pass catching specialists down for the season, um, like Saquon Barkley. But like he's still a guy who I think is definitely being discounted in the receiving game a little bit. Um, for Scott Fishbowl, uh, specifically there, Scott, I think that's a, a great pick. Um, Monty was six in rushing first downs last season, just behind guys like Kamara, uh, like Derrick Henry, guys who are kind of getting fed all the time. So I think right now, like, like you have a lot of change in Chicago. We don't know what's going to be uh, under center or at least how long Andy Dalton, the red rifle is going to be there. But I think like the one thing you have is you have Dave Montgomery consistently, you know, he looks solid at the end of the year. So like, I, I have him a little bit above, like in, in Scott Fishbowl, I also took him as my RB2. I got him the fifth round. He fell back to me. But I, I took him above Sanders and Jacobs. That's good value. Yeah, like I, I, I was happy with it. But, Josh, like any final thoughts here on David Montgomery? Because I think he could yeah. be a steal. I think he could be like literally a guy who wins leagues this year because he's a great value. There's something I want to ask you guys. Do you think Damian Williams is going to take any of that pass catching work or extra carries that you speak That's of that you think, you know, Tariq Cohen had that might not, you know, I, I know he might not be ready for the beginning of the year, but Damian Williams is a good pass catcher too. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that would be my, that's my only hesitation um, with him, not just getting full on, um, you know, 25 plus touches a game would be Damian Williams. I like Damian Williams. Um, don't tell any, my, my, Scott Fishbowl draft is still still plugging away. And I would really like to grab him with my last pick because I got Monty. I might have to jump the gun and grab him. I don't him think you're going to be able to get him with the last pick. I'm I still there. We're in round 20. Like, so, like I said, Wu-Tang division, close your ears. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, with Damian Williams, I mean, the last thing the last thing he did on the football field was get robbed of an MVP trophy in the Super Bowl. That's the last thing he did. Then he opted out. I get it. It's a what have you done for me lately? There's lots of recency bias, but he could he could potentially infringe on on the carries. Um, I mean, I think Monty's still the guy. Um, as far as you know, what kind of split it might be, and this is like let's let's say Tariq Cohen misses the first part of the season, and we're just talking about these two. Yeah. Um, I don't know what the split would be. I still think it's going to heavily favor Monty. Um, and I mean, yeah, Montgomery. He was you know he had a he had he had like three or four pretty pretty low reception games, but if you, if you take those out and I know that's manipulating the data, but you know, he was up near five, sometimes six averaging six uh, targets a game, you know, and that's, that's solid. That's solid for a, for a running back. Um, you know, obviously if Tariq Cohen comes back first thing healthy, he's going to eat into that for sure. Mm-hmm. But I just think where, where Monty's going, like it kind of takes some of that stuff into account. Um, you know, so you know, I, I, but I'm I'm intrigued because I'm a Damian Williams fan, and I think he's good. Me and too. Me I think too. it was I a great him. signing by the Bears. Um, so we'll see. Yeah, I, I I think that's a great counterpoint there, Josh. I I will say, bottom line here, I think David Montgomery. He's had 240 carries in both of his first two seasons. Add an extra game to that, I think he's a shoe in for 250 carries at the least. And for a guy you can get somewhere around the fourth, fifth round in redrafts. Um, I, I'm eating that up all day. I will. So um, great discussion there on, on Dave Montgomery guys. I want to move and real fast. Josh Jacobs came out the same class as David Montgomery. He's been, let's see, let's see the number eight running back and the number uh, 20 running back in PP. I, I don't know. You know, they, you know, I, and I'm burned. People, people I'm still burned. Love him. I'm burned. From like <laughs> fair the, enough. Fair the, enough. The Instagram post last year. <laughs> Yeah, uh, the semis in the Scott Fishbowl. So I was I was done with him after that. But I mean, it, he's still a value. I will say that. Like if I was stranded on an island and Miles Sanders and Dave <laughs> Montgomery and JK were all gone, I would take uh, Josh Jacobs if that means fair anything enough. to you. <laughs> I, I, I'm probably a little biased. I, I, I've been a fan of Josh Jacobs since he came out of high school. I, I just remember seeing okay. his high school tape and I was like, this guy is going to be so good. So great he story. feels like one of those guys, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Great story for sure. Um, yeah. Guys, uh, another younger third year player I want to talk about is McCole Hardman. News came out this week that he's actually going to be slotted in as a number two wide receiver coming into Chiefs training camp um, once that begins later this month. Right now, guys, his current ADP is wide receiver 60. 
Um, one spot above Antonio Brown. Should he be higher right now? Scott, starting with you, man. Um, I, I know you, you've always kind of been a guy who really favors Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill on this team, like most analysts. Is there any value for McCole Hardman here as a dart throw? I mean, I think at that, in that range of the draft, sure, why not? Um, I'm definitely taking Antonio Brown over McCole Hardman Same. without any thought. Yes. Um, my problem with McCole Hardman is, I mean, you know, he's got he's got the what is it? Second round, second round capital four four three three forty. I mean, he's a burner. A lot of expectations him coming in on that offense, but it's hard to ignore what's happened the first two seasons. I mean, yes, Sammy Watkins was there, but I mean, Hardman, he's been sub, he's been sub 10% in target, in target share. You know, I have like, I have a list of like 60, 70 receivers or so. And he's at the bottom of that list is with target share with snap percentage. He's sub, he's sub 50% reception share. He's sub 10%. Um, now, obviously I think that will likely go up if he's slotted in as this, at this number two role. But last year, with Watkins there, Watkins wasn't really getting much either. You know, yeah. like the snap percentage was all going to Demarcus Robinson. You know, um, I mean, Watkins was right around ten percent target share too. So you know, if you want to go down the road of vacated targets and that sort of thing, which I dance around, you know, I use it kind of as a reference. It's not really this big opportunity for him, as as far as as far as I'm concerned. And I just I think that you know, uh, Tyreek Hill, Ceh. And Kelsey, that's that's where the passing offense runs through. So, I mean, I think he's, you know, he's like I said at, at wide receiver sixty or whatever he is. I think I think on um, fantasy calculator his ADP was in the twelfth round ish. Like if you if if we're talking like Nicole Harmon, you know, you he he would technically I think constitute kind of that boomer bust. He get you that long touchdown in a game. If I'm going for a guy like that, I'm 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 putting my money on rugs because he only has one year of sucking. Hardman has two. Josh, where are you at on Hardman, man? It's been two back-to-back years. He's been wide receiver 61 in back-to-back years. Actually was better in his rookie year. He had eight double-digit fantasy point games. Last year he had five. Uh, Where are you at on him? I think Scott pretty much summed it up for the most part. Miko hasn't earned the right to go any higher than 60 overall. Um, Look, I I, I love that he's on the Chiefs' high-powered offense, um, and I love that he's coming into his third season. You know, that's uh, typically the breakout age for a receiver. I know it's a little early nowadays, but he is electric when he has the ball in his hands. You know, get the guy the ball in his hands, he's going to make something happen, right? But I'm worried he's more or less of a career like gadget player or return man. You know, I I, I could see just him being a career kind of just guy that returns kicks and you got to find creative ways to get on the ball. He's very raw coming out of college and maybe he puts it all together this year. But unless there's like an injury to Tyree kill or something, I just I just don't see him ever really having a week to week fantasy floor at all where you feel comfortable putting in your lineup like if you need to and you need to shoot for the sky go for it maybe he gets a 50-yard play but I don't I don't see it happening consistently at all it is it's it's kind of one of the mysteries in the NFL too that like the wide receiver two for the Kansas City Chiefs is not is is lucrative position it's weird um I mean that's heavily due to Travis Kelsey because that's yeah. an anomaly yeah. as far as a tight end basically being the wide receiver one but still um, and the fact that they didn't, I mean, you know, Watkins left, they didn't bring in anybody else, you they, know, they, so they tried like, for Juju. They tried for Juju. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That would, that, that would have been a different conversation. Um, I, I'm, I'm sure yeah, they were like, would. I'm sure they had feelers out for maybe guys like Aguilar or like Curtis Samuel, but like they got paid and the chiefs just weren't willing to pay that. Yeah. I, because they don't really need it. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I, I, I think we'll, we're going to figure out this season whether or not McCold Hardman, and I, I know you don't like this word, Scott, but if he's a jag or if he's not a jag, just a guy. Um, so, so we'll kind of see what happens with him there. Only 55 vacated targets in the Chiefs offense with Sammy Watkins' departure. So that's not great. Um, low catch percentage for McCold Hardman throughout his career as well. So that, that, that doesn't really add up to fantasy success, but he will be a boomer bust player. Um, he'll likely, if he's not drafted in redrafts, um, he'll probably be picked up after a week one or two um, outbursts, if we, as we've seen Sammy Watkins do so much. But, um, guys, speaking of a boomer bust wide receiver, uh, how about Nelson Aguilar right now? Mm-hmm. Josh, we were on, this was probably a good month and a half, two months ago now. Um, I was on Front Yard Fantasy. We did a late round wide receiver bracket. 
and Nelson Aguilar, he was the guy yeah. I I was advocating that whole time for. Um, right did he now, not win it? I think he did. I think he did. Yeah, I, I know he got pretty – he did pretty well. He did I pretty well. Did, yeah, I think he beat Henry Ruggs in the finals there. Um, yeah. But right now, Nikhil Harry, he's requested a trade. So we know Nikhil Harry, he's out of the picture, whether he's traded, whether he's released, which, whichever it is. I don't think they're going to get much value for Nikhil Harry. Um, but right now, guys, uh, Nelson Aguilar, he's sitting down at wide receiver 64 in redrafts. So he's behind McCole Hardman. He's behind guys like Antonio Brown, Darnell Mooney. Where are you guys at right now, Nelson Aguilar? Because he's another guy right now that I think I'm moving him up my ranks even more, and I already was high on him. Yeah, I mean, I think he's the number one wide receiver for the Patriots. So you're getting him at wide receiver 64. Uh, I mean, I'm definitely taking him over Nicole Hardman, I'll tell you that much. Mm -hmm. uh, Aguilar is a good receiver. He's a very good receiver, I would say. Is he great? I don't think he's proved that, but he definitely proved he's a very good receiver last year with the Raiders. Um, he's a great late round flyer. Absolutely. Take him, take him all day in the later, you know, late early teens of rounds. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but am I expecting week to week success in that offense with Cam Newton? Uh, may, you know, I actually prefer Mac Jones because I think he's going to do a lot more, a lot more. He's going to have a lot more passes when it comes down mm -hmm. to it. Obviously wide receivers, you know, it's a rookie, so maybe he doesn't get more touchdowns, but Cam Newton's a goal line vulture. Uh, I like Aguilar, don't love him. That's how I think we can sum it up here. Yeah, I mean, that's that's where I that's where I have him. That's where I've probably always had him is like and don't love him. I definitely remember that episode of Front Yard Fantasy because I was in the chat disagreeing with every take Seth had. <laughs> yes. Um, now, and, and here's the deal. Here's the deal. That, I think it mostly revolved around Ruggs versus Aguilar. And I think I was on the Ruggs train. I've come around. I, I actually, I've, 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 um, I've raised Aguilar in my rankings a bit after kind of digging into the numbers a little bit more. You know, again, he's never going to be, he's never going to be a top 12 wide receiver, but he was yeah. brought in to be the wide receiver one in New England. Whatever that means now, um, that's still what happened. So as far as comparing him to McCole Hardman, oh, I mean, without a doubt, I'm taking Aguilar. You know, he's gonna, he's gonna, he's gonna be targeted. He's gonna get volume. I mean, last year, you know, he had a, you know, he was a little streaky, but you know, I think from week ten on, he averaged almost nine targets a game in, in Las Vegas. So I mean, he gets targeted. He's not just the, he's not like McCole Hardman where it's just you hope for that big play. He he gets he gets volume. You know, I mean, the reason why he's uh, so far down in the rankings to begin with as a wide receiver one on an NFL team is just because partly we don't know what the quarterback situation is yet. Um, if it's Mac Jones, then we don't know what that looks like yet. Um, I mean, to put it in a little bit of perspective. So I did, I did, uh, I did all that, the, the spreadsheets for the Scott Fishbowl first down stuff. And so I, I did that with top 50 wide receivers and I took from that data, I did a bunch of stuff for team data. And at the end I was like, wait, wait a second. I don't have all the teams on here. That's because I didn't have a New England receiver in the top 50 to pull wow. data from. So, I mean, that's, it's kind of crazy to think about it. It's the Patriots, you know, um, that I didn't have a receiver in the top 50, but I, and I still, I still don't think I do. Um, you know, I think he's right around there. Uh, you know, I mean, his competition is J Jacoby Myers, who also showed he can be quite the target hog himself. Um, but I, you know, and I think Myers is a good late round guy too, especially in full PPR. But you know, it's Aguilar's basically it's his wide receiver one role and volume to lose. And I think when you look at it here, guys, like he's a guy in Scott Fishbowl. He was another guy who fell to me. I was happy to scoop him up. I think wide receiver seventy or something ridiculous. And to get him at wide receiver seventy when he's probably a guy who has wide receiver high end wide receiver three upside. Uh, I, I'm super cool with that. Hunter Henry's already had an injury scare this um, offseason. John, who's been battling the hamstring injury as well. So that's not great for the two high-paid tight ends coming in there as well. And and just one more thing I'm going to throw out there, and I know I, I've said this on a couple shows now, but Nelson Aguilar led the league in yards per reception last season. Cam Newton was a top-five deep ball thrower. Regardless of how bad he was, like look at who he, he was throwing to. Like Julian Edelman was a ghost last season um, when he was on the field, which barely was. And – and it was Nikhil Harry, Jacoby Myers, Demir Bird. So I, I think now Cam Newton gets a little more help. We might see something better. And that was kind of the last redraft riser I also wanted to talk about today was Cam Newton. He came out in a video 
on social media the last few weeks. And he said that this is the first time that he can document keyword their document that he's been healthy um, <laughs> since 2016, 2017. Right now, Cam Newton, he's QB 33 off the board in redrafts. Josh, I, I already think I, I know your stance on Cam Newton from your earlier comments, but QB 33 kind of sounds like a value to me, just like Nelson Aguilar. No, yeah, I, I agree. And I, I figured you would pick up on that a little bit. But at the same time, I, I don't think Cam Newton is beneficial for his wide receivers. So that's kind of why I brought that up. Yeah. Now, yep. in terms of fantasy, uh, what Cam Newton had 12 rushing touchdowns last year and ran 137 times. He got 592 yards rushing. And if his shoulder truly is actually better, I see the upside. I could see a ton of upside. The reason he's probably so late is because people don't know, right? There's still yeah. a lot of people out there that think Mac Jones is going to start week one. I don't think that's the case. I think Cam Newton's going to get an opportunity to prove himself. So sure. If you're waiting on quarterback and you want someone with a ton of upside, Cam Newton could be your guy. You see what he does week one. If he plays well, if it's shoulder, if he's able to, you know, if his shoulder's better, he's able to throw, he's able to run better, you know, because when you're running against NFL defensive players, you, you kind of sometimes have to run into them, you're going to hurt the shoulder a little bit. So I'm sure yeah. he was worried about that at the very least. So is quarterback 33 too low? Yes, it is. But I'm not holding my breath. I would draft him in the late teens if I'm looking for upside and a way to quarterback. Yeah, I mean, for me, obviously, it depends on the redraft format, if it's super flex or not. Um, if it's one QB, then, I mean, I, I just don't see a scenario where I'm drafting Cam Newton. Um, maybe late as just kind of a... Uh, a lottery ticket in a way, but my, my style with one QB redraft, which is funny because it used to be completely different is one QB. That's what I, Me that's too. what I draft. And yeah. I draft them late. I mean, late Me round, too. late round QB is one of my favorite. JJ is one of my favorite analysts. Um, yeah. And I used to be the guy that like once a couple quarterbacks went off the board, I started to sweat and get nervous and reach. Now I'm, I'm like, yep. I'm a I'm I'm somewhat upset if I if I'm not the last one to take a QB. You know, I want to be the last. That's my goal in one QB in redraft. Um, just because that. it's just been shown. You know, my 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 target to step to sidestep Cam Newton for just a second. My my target with that this year is Tom Brady. Um, if I can get him as my QB, you know, people sleeping on sleep sleeping on him a little bit because he's old or whatever. Um, I would love to get him late in in a redraft. You know. That's assuming it's a redraft where other people aren't panicking and grabbing three QBs early, and then all of a that's sudden what I was about to say. Scott. That happens. Uh, it happens. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like, you know, it's it like does. playing poker with. It's like playing poker with people that don't know how to play. It's tough. Yeah. It's tough to play against people that don't yeah, really yeah, know. They don't do like, things that you expect. Yeah. They're, they're like, yeah, exactly. You're like, oh, seven seven two came on the river, uh, came on the flop, and they yeah. have a full house because they exactly seven two. It's like, well, I couldn't have done anything about that anyway. With Cam Newton, though, in in two QB, yeah, I'm I'm looking for him. I'm I'm willing to take that risk, not as my not as my first QB, obviously, but I'm willing to at QB thirty three for sure, just on the on the off chance that he starts for a while, you know. Um, yeah, because if he's truly healthy, like yeah, he's probably not going to be the QB one, but like that's part of the deal with waiting on QB, is you stack up at other positions, um, and the difference between your QB. And the, and, and the higher level QBs on a week to week basis isn't that different. Yeah. And, and Scott, man, I, I think you hit it. It all goes back to that late QB strategy that we're always recommending here on the in between fantasy football podcast. If you're playing in redraft single QBs, I mean, guys like Tom Brady, guys like Matthew Stafford, I think those are great QB one targets this season. Cam Newton. Um, he's a guy like we're going to be playing our, our office league this year is going to be a 16 team single quarterback league. So Cam Newton's a guy I'll probably be targeting there um, for sure. But I, I, I think the one thing to keep in mind with if Cam Newton somehow, if he starts off the season hot and, and the Patriots are winning, I think Bill Belichick wants to win. And the end of the, the second half of the Patriots schedule is money right now. So if he can get there, he could be really reliable down the stretch. My one issue is it's about 33% of his games. He has uh, two or more interceptions. I think if he, if he has three of those this season, he's benched. We might not see him again. However, the, the, the final thing I'll say about Cam Newton, averaged 24.5 fantasy points when he was 
uh, the starter before COVID, after COVID, 16 points per game. Obviously, larger sample size on the back end, but um, something to keep in mind. I, I think COVID was a bigger impact to him that, than people think, but definitely uh, like, if, if you could somehow in a super flex league or one of those deeper uh, redraft leagues, if you could stack Cam Newton with like a Nelson Aguilar late, like it's not the sexiest stat stack, but it's a value stack for sure. It's dollar menu. It is dollar menu. It, it's definitely a stack. <laughs> yeah, it definitely. It definitely is two players on the same team. You are right. Yes. <laughs> no, one thing I wanted to add real quick though, as we stress um, waiting on QB and one QB leagues. Now, once you get past 12 teams, it gets a little, it gets a little bit more risky. If you're playing a yeah. 16 team league, yeah, you know, because the, the idea with like a 10 or 12 team league is the top 10 or 12 QBs all are fine to start on your team. Um, so load up on other positions. But if you're in a 16 team league and you take the 16th QB, that's not quite the same. So just keep, <laughs> yeah. that, just keep that in mind. Yeah. Another point to that is uh, the waiver wire, right? In a 16 team league, the waiver wire is going to be yeah. a lot more barren on a week to week basis. If you're waiting on quarterback, a lot of people are playing this streaming game where you're playing, you're just trying to find the better defenses. But if it's a 16 team league, that waiver wire is going to be a little bit uglier every week, you know? Yeah, 14 is the highest I've ever played in. So I'm looking forward to the, to the, I'm assuming I'm going to be invited to the office league. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> we'll um, see, Scott. Josh might take your place, but uh, <laughs> we can talk about that after the show, boys. Um, Josh, uh, uh, in the spirit of you, we're going to roll out one of our uh, more game-like sh- uh, Ooh, yeah. the show. We're going to throw it back and bring in some Would You Rather. That song always, yeah. Well, I was grooving to that, man. Me too. I love those segue videos you guys have. I swear, they're awesome. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. That's yeah. our boy, Nate Miller. Uh, he actually has a new album coming out at the end of the month, so we'll be sure to plug that in here later on this month. Um, he makes all our drops here in between media. Thankful for him. Um, guys, would you rather, you know this game from your childhood. We're going to give you two options. Would you rather some fantasy related and then some you know wacky lifestyle advice related as well. Um, let, let's start with a little bit of fantasy football, guys. We haven't talked a lot about tight ends on this show. The last couple of weeks, we've really been stressing the tight end position. Um, we actually had a column coming out uh, earlier this season, by our, or earlier this week, by our guy Mike Tolonko. And he talked a little bit about how after the first three tight ends, the big three, Darren Waller, George Kittle, Travis Kelsey go, what do you do? And, and not to panic and how there are options left. So I wanted to talk about two guys, um, kind of a, both a little bit controversial in their own retrospect right now but mark andrews and noah fant right now noah fant he's going at um overall about um player 75 off the board tight end seven mark andrews he's going about tight end five right now and he's off the board around pick 48 so end of the fourth early fifth round um starting with you josh would you rather draft noah fant at his current adp or mark andrews at his current adp <sighs> so listen, I, I'm a Ravens fan, big hardcore Ravens fan. Uh, but I'm here to tell you, at their ADP, I would rather have Fant. Who? Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think Mark Andrews is a great player. Um, and I think he's gonna have a very good season, and and a better season than Fant. Don't get me wrong. But with this ADP and the guys going around Mark Andrews at the 48th pick. They are just too good. The, the receivers you can get there, the running back tiers starting to end. I do not want to take my tight end quite this early if it's Mark Andrews. When you add in Rashad Bateman, when you when you just don't have an offense that's going to pass a ton, Mark Andrews makes me nervous. I think he's going to have a good year, and I like I said, I think he's going to have a better year than Fant. But at their ADPs, I would take Fant. And honestly, and I know this isn't the question, I, I would probably rather wait. Oh, oh, them take either one at their ADP. Sorry, <laughs> I'm in the. I mean, I'm in the same. I'm in the same boat. Um, to me, if if I'm choosing if, if this question, if I had to choose one, I'm also choo- choosing Noah Fant 
I think the only thing stopping that from being just a slam dunk is just the quarterback issue in Denver. Um, I mean, I think Fant is like a powder keg ready to explode if, if somebody can just get him the ball. I get it. Cortland, Cortland Sutton is back. They have a slew of receivers with Patrick and Hamler and Judy. Um, but he, you know, he is a he's one of those matchup nightmares with his quickness and his speed for, for the people that are going to be covering him. So those types of players, if you've got a if you've got a competent QB, even with those other receivers on the field, they're going to get targets because they're going to be open. So right now it's mainly based on the ADP. I'm just if I miss out, it, I mean, it's I, I'm a I'm a big proponent of like I'm not going into any draft with a particular strategy or a particular like I'm doing this no matter what. So you but like I, water, right? The, yeah, the closest I come to that probably is if I don't get a top three. One, is Pitt still available? Two, um, I'm likely not going to get four through ten-ish. I'm likely going to wait just like Josh said. Um, I'm just I, – I like Mark Andrews, and I think he's a great tight end. And, I mean, I think Lamar looks for him. And last year was – kind of a down year and it was still a great year um but i'm just not willing to spend that draft capital with the other players that are there i'm just not like i would rather and i mean this is this is well documented once you get past the big three you know the points per game with the with the next group just isn't significant enough for me to take them over the receivers and running backs they're going to be there at number 48 so i mean i'm i'm probably waiting and i'm i'm looking at a you know i mean i i in redraft like i'll wait you know what I mean? Like I'll wait and just grab the the Blake Jarwin's of the world. You'll be uh, you'll be Jerry Cook, maybe Adam Troutman, Adam Troutman, Cole Gerald Everett. Everett. Maybe. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I, I like Jared Cook on the Chargers, honestly, just as a late round flyer. Yeah, um, yeah, just guys like that I'd rather have. I think. I, yeah, I just I just don't think the benefits there. Uh, you know, like I mean, if Andrews smashes and he's tied in one, then yeah, I missed out. But like, yeah, that's just not you know. If it's tied in premium again, it's different. If it's you know oh, what yeah. I mean. Yeah, for sure. Just kind of your your standard um, your standard redraft, which when I say standard now, I mean PPR. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. Uh, I'm just I'm a I'm a tight end waiter unless I get, and it's still man, it is. Un, like I told you, I came around on quarterbacks. I used to get really nervous if I didn't have a quarterback, and now I'm completely the opposite. That has not happened yet with me and the top tier tight ends. <laughs> I still I don't care who it is, and I get I've seen all the data. I understand how much of an advantage it is to have a Kelsey at tight end. I get it. It's really hard for me to pull the trigger on a tight end in the first two rounds. It just makes me feel weird. So I, <laughs> I'm starting to come around a little bit on the tight end train this year. Um, Scott, you've heard for, for months now my affection with TJ Hawkinson. So obviously he's my tight end for right now. But like I will say, like I, I've kind of been pulled off Mark Andrews a lot this offseason as well. Um, started to come around to him though the last few weeks when I actually started to stat these guys out a little bit. And I, I'm projecting the Ravens to take a little bit of a bump in a hole in the passing game. Like obviously the pie is small and that's everyone's argument against Mark Andrews. The pie is small. He doesn't play a ton of snaps. Um, like Nick Boyle, he's, he's played more snaps over the last two seasons than Mark he's Andrews. He's such a good blocker. Yeah. Nick Boyle, he's the best blocking tight end in the league. I'm exactly. here to tell you. Exactly. Yeah. And, it, and I think like, I just think, though, like Mark Andrews, like when I actually statted him out, he looked a lot better than what I thought he was going to. And obviously, yes, I think I'd rather have TJ Hawkinson and Kyle Pitts at that ADP. But if I can grab him, like maybe in the later fourth round, maybe fifth round, I I would more consider it. I, I, I'll be right. Like we haven't done our bus projections yet, and like we haven't told who our definite bus picks are yet, but – I think Noah Fant is one for me. I'm 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 scared off by the QB play. Like last year, Drew Locke couldn't hit the broadside of the barn. So I am really worried about Noah Fant. Um, so so at that one, I would probably rather take Mark Andrews. But the concerns and the high ADP that you guys laid out totally valid. And if that scares up scares off enough people, though, he could be a guy that falls, you know, into the fifth, maybe sixth round in some drafts, which I, I would be. Super cool with that. Now are we talking six round. Uh, I like Andrews in the six. Yeah, so see, right? and, that's, <laughs> and that's that's what I mean by like you know that's the closest I come to a hard and fast strategy in a draft, but it's still not a hundred percent because oh, absolutely, yeah. it's always going to be based on like if if Andrews is sitting there in the fifth or if Hawkinson is sitting there in the fifth, you know I'm not going to just say oh no way. Like I will consider right. that. You know I'll consider that value. 
And uh, I would yeah. rather have Hawk over Andrews as well. Absolutely. Um, moving forward here, guys, um, let's get into some more would you rather questions, a little more lifestyle based here towards the end of the show. Um, you you live somewhere on the ocean front. Let's just assume that you got an ocean front house. Would you rather work from home or commute 15, 20 minutes to work? Um, J- Josh, I, I think you work from home now. Is, is that correct? That is correct. Okay. If you had an ocean front view, would you rather have to commute to work or rather still work from home? So <laughs> um, I kind of had to experience a half and half work schedule for a little while where mm-hmm. I, for one week would go to go to the office and then the next week would work from home and it's okay. an A and B schedule. And I hated that. I'll just tell you that much. Um, I, okay. I, I like the consistency. So either way, I would prefer it to be consistent one way or the other. But if I live freaking with an ocean from few that I don't want to go to work, man, I'm fine working from home. The the only the biggest issue I see with that, I guess, is that maybe I get distracted and I spend too much like chilling yeah. with the ocean and the beach. Yeah, there is something about going to the office. I will say that there is a pr- more productivity when you're able to go to the office. You're worth like minded people and you kind of feel like you you have to work. There's a lot of self-motivation that goes into working from home, which can be tough, but I'm choosing working from home all day. <laughs> okay. All right, Scott. Scott, I think you work from home as well. Am I right on that? Yeah, I must. I think I misread this. I thought this was you have the ocean front view at work. Oh, mm. that changes things. Because if I have the ocean, oh. I mean, I'll, I'll probably work from home with a view of a brick wall over commuting, commuting <laughs> to work. So I'm definitely picking the ocean front view. And I get it. Like, I, I agree. Um, there's some products, there can be some productivity issues, but I kind of look at it more like, I feel like I'm happier at home working from mm-hmm. home. Mm-hmm. And yes, the time between nine and five might get a little interrupted, but I think the overall product of my work because I'm happier and less stressed is going to be better. So that could be me just justifying the fact that I feel like I slack <laughs> off too much. But, um, I work all about home. the happiness, Scott. <laughs> all about the happiness. I've worked. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it, you know, there's other countries that have proven this, like a, a happier oh, yeah. workforce is a more productive workforce. It doesn't always have to be this hard and fast I'm, I'm nine with five you, thing. I'm right. I'm with you. Um, but I've worked from home since March of 2020, I guess. Yeah. That's when it was. Um, and I think, I believe I'm going to have the opportunity to kind of continue it indefinitely. And I plan to, that's just me. I get, I, I get the arguments. Um, also I get along with my family. I like my kids and my wife, so that's helpful. Yeah. Um, Some people like to get away. <laughs> yes. I have a, I have my own space for all of it. So that's helpful. But I mean, throwing an ocean front view. Oh, hell yeah. And okay. then one more point to that is I, I feel like you do like the commute. I mean, yeah, it's only 15, 20 minutes, but that's something. And that's not just the 15, 20 minutes driving. There's the prep you have to do, you know, get yep. ready, make sure you're sure you have everything. And then the yep. drive home, is there traffic? Like, uh, I hate traffic. So I, there's a way to be more productive working from home if you're able to be self-motivated. And I yeah. find sometimes that even if it's a short commute, if, if it's known by some people that I'm on the road, favors and errands are asked of me. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, oh, hey, yeah. by the way, on your way home. Like, yeah. Oh. <laughs> uh-huh. It's crazy because I, I was only two months into my professional career. I had just graduated college uh, two, three months before the pandemic. So I was only, you know, a couple months into my in my full-time job. So I've been working from home the majority of my professional career. And uh, it would definitely feel weird to, to be at work. But the, the reason I put that question in is I, I, I think you guys answered it beautifully. Um, but I, I feel like I personally would maybe struggle with, with the oceanfront view. Cause I would definitely want to be down at the beach or yeah. you know, maybe chilling out with a beverage towards the end of the work day on the deck or something. That would be tough. <laughs> would. Not a lot. It would be. <laughs> yeah. Yes, sir. Uh, <sighs> final question here for you guys. Um, would you rather have to use one condiment for the rest of your life? And if so, what would that condiment be? Or would you rather have to live without salt and pepper? I hate this question. <laughs> that's not the question i read <laughs> i changed it up a little bit since last time you read it scott uh um, Josh, you start yeah yeah <clears throat> sorry uh choking up because i hate this question so much but um 
I I love salt and pepper and I also really like condiments. So (laughs) it's hard to try to choose here. Um, I know some people are probably going to hate me for even saying this, but my favorite condiment probably is ketchup. It's the one that I use the most. Um, Love me some fries, fries and ketchup. Oh yeah, that's good stuff. Um, But I like a lot of different condiments, but come on, man, salt and pepper. You're going to get rid of salt and pepper. They are way too crucial to like every dish yeah. ever made ever in the world. So see a condiments, get out of here. Salt so and pepper. I have a clarifying question. Does this mean like with the salt and pepper, like, is it just like you've got your plate of food and you can't put salt and pepper on it or you can't put salt and pepper no. on making the food? No, dude. It's I, just no salt the pepper. So, so the reason I, I bring this up, <laughs> the reason I bring this up is I remember at one point in college that I'd ran out of salt and pepper and I was just crazy weak. And I was like, I'll go get salt and pepper next time I go to the grocery store. And I used to do these like Aldi's runs where I would stock up on food for like a month. So it was like three weeks I went without salt and pepper. So, so, so that, so that was the basis of the question there, Scott. Yes. Okay. I got you. Um, I would, I would choose to keep salt and pepper in my life. Yeah. I think. And I also, I mean, like Josh, like, like if if people have that strong of feelings about my feelings for ketchup, then so be it. But ketchup's what I use the most, and that's probably if I if the question hey. was if the question was you know expanded to well, what would that condiment be? I'd probably have to choose ketchup. What, what about like like ranch would probably be my biggest one. I I, I think that's like nah. that's my generation though. I think that's like I'm somewhere between the millennials and the Gen Zers. So like. I think we're like almost too dependent on ranch for stuff at times. Well, I mean, like you know, if, if it's just my favorite kind of my favorite type of condiment, it's going to be your like sriracha and some of that stuff. But oh, it just doesn't. It just God. doesn't like I can't use yeah. it on enough things. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe like I, some Frank's Red Hot. You know, you put that yeah. on everything. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I love condiments, but I do not like creamy based condiments like ranch, blue. Yeah, mayo? yeah, mayo. So maybe this. I'm not a big mayo guy. So listen, you want to put mayonnaise on a sandwich to give it a little bit of moisture? Thin spread. Thin. If oh, it's no, clumped no, no. up at all, get mayo out of here, man. No, pour get it, it out of here. Oh. I'll oh. pour it on both, both slices of bread. Yeah. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. <laughs> uh-uh. Get it out of here. So maybe this makes that question even that much easier for me. I don't, I'm not a big mayonnaise guy, not a big ranch guy. I don't like the creamy stuff with my uh, salads. And so I'd prefer like a, uh, a bunny dressing. Yeah. Okay. Italian. Mm-hmm. Okay. I- I'd probably pick mayo because you can make ranch out of mayo. So I'd, I'd probably go mayo, honestly. I'm a big mayo. Mayo, mayo is mayo is officially what you should be using to make grilled cheese sandwiches. No. FYI. Oh, I've had them. It's they're good, but butter, man. Butter. No. <laughs> no. All right, guys. That was Would You Rather. We're gonna move into our final segment of the evening, weekly advice. Weekly. All right. Those new to the show, what we do on weekly advice at every episode, we like to bring a little bit of feel good lifestyle advice to the show. That's what we kind of do here in between media um, weekly advice. It's our way on the podcast of doing just that. So Josh, I think you guys at front yard fantasy, you guys have a really interesting story. Um, a lot of the time, like I got in this myself and I was pretty much by myself when I first started. Luckily I found Nate and Scott and, and a lot of dope people along the way. Um, but the one thing I want to talk to you is kind of the age old expression, like don't get in business with your friends because, because that's been since, I, I mean, I can remember watching cartoons. Like, I don't know if it was Franklin or, or yeah. brother bear, but like, like hearing that theme in the show. Um, and the other thing I think you guys do at front yard fantasy, it's a Mac Miller quote, but it's like, you guys go in on your shit. Like every day, like Monday through Friday, 3.30 p.m., Front Yard Fantasy, you guys are locked and loaded. You have a different guest each each day. Um, yeah. Can you talk a little bit about, like, creating a startup with your friends and how that's gone for you guys? Maybe tell the backstory a little bit. And just, like, because I feel like you guys defy that a little bit. Yeah. No, I, I love working with these guys. I'm going to be honest with you. And I have to shout out both JL and Simon. They are really – uh, especially J- JL put it all together. Simon hopped on first. I was kind of the third party to hop on before we started streaming or doing any kind mm-hmm. of podcasts. Um, I came in before that, but they are really the minds behind everything. They put everything together. So they set me up for success. So, uh, but just a little bit of the backstory. We are really good friends, but we weren't always friends. Um, 
I know, so Simon and JL, they both went to college together. They both went to Clemson and they were roommates. So they've been friends for a little while now and they, 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 they've been close for a while. Me, on the other hand, I first met JL ooh, seven years ago, probably. Um, he, he went to Clemson, like I said. I went to a college here local in Maryland, Towson University. His girlfriend also went to Towson and my girlfriend, they were in a sorority together, big okay. and little situation um my girlfriend so i became close with maria and we we were i was friends with maria jl's girlfriend before i actually knew jl but jl would come to towson visit maria and we would all hang out and every time we hang out you know maybe i had a drink or two but we would talk about fantasy football for the whole time i'm sure it pissed off our girlfriends because <laughs> we just couldn't stop but yeah between each other our teens and we just really built our relationship on fantasy football to start. So it's, it's kind of an awesome place to start. And then about three or four years ago, um, Simon JL and I uh, did a dynasty league. Um, and that kind of started everything. You know, I, I, that's when I met Simon first, we became close through a fantasy league, which is cool. And then, you know, about two years ago, JL reaches out to me. He's like, Hey, listen, we got this idea. We got front yard fantasy. We want to start a podcast. We want to do all this stuff. And I'm like, this is my dream, man. I've always wanted to be, you know, talking to people about football since I was a kid, I would watch NFL network and just, I, you know, I just watch NFL network all the time. My parents were like, you got to do that. I was like, yeah, right. Yeah. I'm, I'm never going to, but like, look what I'm doing now. Right. I'm talking mm -hmm. about football with some people and it's, it's such a good time. I enjoy it every single day. And, you know, so we weren't always best friends, but we were friends. We came in this and yeah, I, I could see how it's tough, you know, starting a business with your best friend. You guys know each other so freaking well. And you like, you know, like the bull crap that your friend does. And when he's mm -hmm. like, yeah, bull crapping. But man, I have become, these are my best friends now. Um, and shout out to Dan and Jay. They're also proud of Front Yard Fantasy. I am becoming close with all these guys and we are running a, a startup company together and every day is great, you know, uh, you know, and maybe it's because we haven't been lifelong friends, like I said, but I, I can't, I can't tell you like, because we're honest with each other. We, we don't feel like we're stepping over boundaries. We're, we're fine with telling people, telling each other it's straight, you know? And mm -hmm. I, I think, I think that's so important in a business, right? And maybe you can do that with not your friends, but it feels like just such a good situation right now. I'm going to be honest. That's awesome. So man. We have a good that time. Is cool. The, the backstory, man, I appreciate that. Like, like, like that's definitely awesome. And, and to meet people through fantasy football and have that, you know, as a conversation starter, like you and JL, I mean, that, that that's awesome to, to hear that. And I mean, what you guys do over there, like, like you guys go in on it, man. Like, yeah. like, like, like what's like, what's the secret sauce over there, man? Like every day, like, like from three 30 to four 30, if you hop on the front yard stream, like you guys are killing it. And like, you guys are happy to be there. Like it, it doesn't matter what kind of shit you probably got going on at work, Josh, but like you, you guys are able to put that behind you. Like what, what is that secret sauce, man? So, yeah, I mean, like we started doing this at the beginning of last season and it was kind of, we did a podcast once a week before, and then the season started and we're like, let's just do a stream every day. Let's just do it. And um, I didn't, you know, I had a, I, I a full-time job. I was like, I, I'm not probably not going to be able to do this, but I made it happen because it guys, if, if you want something, you will make it happen. If you don't, you will make excuses. All right. Like I, I truly believe that. And the key to it is I love what I'm doing. I love joining that stream every day. I feel like I'm missing out when I'm not on it. So mm -hmm. I want to be there. And I think Simon and JL did the same exact way. We all, we have enjoyed this ride and the season ended. And I remember JL saying to me, he's like, we're still going to do every day, every Monday through Friday. I was like, are you a madman? No. Like, wow, <laughs> yeah. what are we going to talk about? There's nothing because like a lot of our show was filled with answering questions, you he know, about the season. and I was like, this isn't going to work, you know? And I didn't quite put it that way. I was like, okay, I guess we'll try. But I love it still every day. And I think that's the key is doing it with people you like and enjoy working with and doing what you actually love. And this is what I love. So uh, it's just a good time. I'm just having a good time every day. Yeah. And like I was, I was telling you before we, we, we went live, you know, as a, as a audience member of, of the show, as much as I can, like what you're talking about, just it screams out of the screen. I mean, the, the fact that you guys are enjoying yourself and loving it is so obvious 
in such the best way that, I mean, for me, it's become this thing. It's like, oh, it's almost time for FYF, you know? <laughs> and that's part of you guys keeping it consistent every day. Like there's a, yeah. there's a value to that. It becomes part of people's routines. Um, and I mean, it's just Absolutely. like, it's got this really good balance of trivia analysis and then just like, Adam Sandler movies or whatever, <laughs> you know, it's just this perfect blend. And I mean, you know, um, the, the YouTube thing I do, the, the pulp fantasy thing is, is, is similar in that I really like to blend football and fantasy football with just like stupid comedies and memorable movies and quotes and stuff like that. So, I mean, I am absolutely drawn to, to the show where apologies, if you already described this, where yeah. did the, where did the name front yard fantasy come from? So uh, that's that's a little bit of a JL. So uh, how about that? Our fantasy league, our dynasty league. I mentioned that I'm in with a couple of my buddies, a couple of Simon and Jail's buddies. My brother's in there. Um, it's called uh, Backyard Football League, right? So um, it's kind of an, uh, it's paying homage to backyard sports. You know, the backyard football games. Oh, yeah. uh, JL is yeah. a big fan of those. Um, and you know, maybe the name backyard fantasy was played around a little bit, but that sounds a little bit different and like a different <laughs> thing maybe. So front yard fantasy, right? Um, the, there's the alliteration, you got the F and the F, you know, F Y F that's, that's yeah. kind of how it all started. <laughs> I'm not, if I'm being completely honest, I was not really around when that was all being developed. Uh, to be completely honest with you. So that's more of a jail and Simon thing, but no, I, I mean, love it. Cool. I love it. I'm glad you had an answer. I don't really like talking to JL. So <laughs> Fair enough. I'm just kidding, JL. And and Scott, right, I gotta say, I, I really do appreciate like everything you just said. Uh like it really means a lot because that's exactly what we're going for. We want to entertain the audience, and that's really what it's all about informing and entertaining the audience, giving them information that they didn't have before, and making sure everyone's having a good time, including us, you know, and we are, you know, and that's I think that's what you're well, saying. I mean, so. I don't know if it was like, it probably was part of the intent, but what I've noticed is just like, it seems fairly organic, just like the the participation and the interaction mm -hmm. with the audience. You yeah. know what I mean? Because I love when you guys start doing trivia or whatever it is and everybody's like, I think it's this. No, I think yeah. it's this. I think it's this. And then you go through the, you go through the comments and be like, oh, this person got it. Oh, this person didn't. Absolutely. I mean, it's like, you feel like you're kind of there. You know what I mean? That's absolutely so, our intent. We've, we've always wanted to make sure we get the audience involved, that they feel like you guys are part of the show because you are. We need you. We're nothing without you guys, right? people coming in and talking to us. So uh, it's a big part of the show. And we enjoy communicating and having that communication with the audience, right? We <laughs> really do. It makes it so much better when people are chiming in and saying stuff like that. That's awesome. Josh, <laughs> I, I appreciate you sharing that story, man. Um, I think my big takeaways are that whatever friends you are, whether it's lifelong friends, whether it's friends from a couple of years ago, like, like if you do a business the right way and if you're all in on it together, then you really shouldn't have any issues. And I think Scott and Nate and I, we, we've learned that here in in between media, we have a great staff or we have a 15 person staff and everyone here, we're all on the same page. We all love each other at the end, end of the day. We're a family. Um, same with our audience, man. I know you guys feel that too. Um, we wouldn't be anything without all support in the community, um, all support from our friends and family back home, just the audience we've built up the last year or so. Um, it, it's been it's been amazing and um, can't thank everyone enough for following us along this entire off season. Um, we have a couple more shows here the rest of the way. Um, so be, be sure to follow. Um, if you're on YouTube, we appreciate you hitting that subscribe button as well. Um, check out Josh and uh, JL and Simon over there at Front Yard Fantasy as well. Um, I know they appreciate everything you guys are uh, do, doing with them as well. Scott, Josh, any final words, guys, for our audience tonight? Uh, yeah, I got something. Uh, trading makes fantasy fun. Um, just a little thing I like to say at the end of every show. I don't know why. I just started doing it. But it does, right? Awesome. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, the the Warrior Bowl uh, is, is starting up and the draft is coming up. Um, for anybody okay. that's in that, shout out to the Warrior Bowl folks. I uh, I started um, interacting with some of those guys over there across the pond. They're all awesome. And um, got into a league. I'm in a league with, or I'm in a chat group with with For Whom the Bell Tolls with Jeff, which is pretty cool. Um, but anyway, that draft's coming up, and it looks like it's a lot of fun. The scoring is super wacky, and it's going to be a blast. Awesome. 
Awesome. Well, guys, we'll be back here uh, in two weeks from today. We'll have our, our, our normal co-host back with us, Nate. For Josh, for Scott, I'm Seth Wilcock. We'll be back here next time on the In Between Fantasy Football Podcast. Keep it in between. Until then, folks, thanks for joining us. Yeah, I found myself somewhere in between. Fantasy Football Podcast. The one thing that you know really sets us apart here is, is we're not afraid to talk about other things that maybe aren't super fantasy related. Do what you can to become a better person, to become a better human.